we're going to be all over the place today. I told you kind of what we were getting into last week, but before we do that, we're going to kind of review some stuff because we've been on this for a few weeks. But there was a story of a woman who was at work and she received a phone call from a babysitter. You know, when a babysitter calls you at work, it's probably not for anything good. And so the babysitter told her, your daughter is getting uh, a fever and it's, it feels like it's getting pretty high. So she said, all right, I'll, I'll leave work and I'll come on home. And so she left work and she went over to the pharmacy to pick up something for the fever and then came out and figured, found out that she had locked her keys in the car. Well, you know, being a mom, you got the child that's sick at home. And so she calls up to the, and the babysitter answers and said, I locked my keys in the car. I have the medicine, but I locked the keys in the car. Uh, it's, and, the, and the babysitter said, well, the fever's gotten higher. So she's in a panic and, and the babysitter says, look, maybe if you look around, you can find an old coat hanger or something like that and get the door open. And so she looked around and she did. She found an old rusty uh, coat hanger. Maybe somebody else had gotten locked out and used it as well. And so she came out to the car. But, you know, I don't know about maybe some of you would feel a, could experience the same thing. She had no idea what to do with it. She had a tool, but didn't know what to do with the thing. Here's a coat hanger. Here's the door. But you know, you just didn't know what to do. So she prayed to the Lord and said, Father, I need help. I don't know what to do. So. And within five minutes, this guy pulled up on a old beat up motorcycle. I mean, he was dirty, greasy, long beard. And he had that one of those skull handkerchiefs wrapped around his head. You know, the bikers sometimes do. In the, I guess a replacement for a bike helmet. <laughs> and so they pulled up and she's thinking, dear Lord, this is what you sent me. <laughs> But, you know, beggars can't be choosers, I guess she's thinking. So she, she uh, went up to him and said, sir, can you help me? I locked my keys in the car. My daughter is sick at home. I need to get the medicine over to her. And so the guy came on and he took the coat hanger and within seconds had the door open. She looked at him and said, thank you so much. You are such a nice man. And he said, I'm not a nice man at all. He said, I just got out of prison. I went to prison for car theft. And, and the lady looked at him and she just began to weep and to cry and she hugged him again. She says, thank you, God, you sent me a professional. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what. We need to have the keys, don't we? We'll sometimes do anything to get the keys of what we need. What we're looking at here, we told you about last time, was the key to stability. Now, we've been on this topic here for about six weeks. Does anybody know why we are on the topic of stability? Well, the answer is easy, because we need it. We've been going, started on the series, Stubborn or Stable? Am I stubborn in my own ways, or am I stable in the things of God? And we told you the difference between being stable and being stubborn. Anybody remember? Think about it. The difference between one who is stubborn and one who is stable, a person who is stubborn is wrong. A person who is stable is right. That's really the only difference. Because a lot of times we have accused stable people of being stubborn and thought some stubborn people were stable. The difference is who is right and who is wrong. Not who is right in our eyes, but who is right in God's eyes. Because what's important is that we are not stubborn in front of God. And if we are right in His eyes, then we are steadfast and stable. If we are wrong in His eyes, but we don't move off of those principles, then we are stubborn. And we get some things that will hinder us. We start out in the first week. We looked at uh, the... The Pharisees saw the man with the withered hand and they expected that Jesus would heal. I, I, sometimes we think about this story and we miss a very glaring truth to this is that sometimes unbelievers believe God will work more than believers. <laughs> Isn't that a shame? The Pharisees were so sure that Jesus would heal this man, they just waited for the thing to set up. Well, they saw that they had become so callous that they preferred their doctrine over helping people. We asked the question before in the first week, what is more important, doctrine or people? If we say doctrine, then we're acting just like the Pharisees because the Pharisees put doctrine 
over people. If we say people, we are also wrong. Oh, but God is so much about the people. God is so so concerned about people. Yeah, but if you are concerned, if you elevate people over doctrine, then you will be very easily moved off of your principles for human compassion. Neither is higher. God's word never goes against loving people. Remember Jesus said, what is the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second, he said, is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. He said, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets, which means there is no doctrine of God that goes against loving people. But too often we get imbalanced on one side or the other. And we get imbalanced on the doctrine side or get imbalanced on the people side. And it causes a problem. And you can become stubborn on one side or the other and not steadfast. We then moved on there. We looked at uh, Hebrews chapter 3 and 4. He said, Today if you will hear His voice, today if you will hear His voice, God is speaking, but we are not always ready, ready to listen. If you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. They had hardened their hearts as in the, the time when Israel rebelled against God. Don't harden your hearts, he says. We went on from there to Hebrews 4. Therefore, since the promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them. This was the key. Not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. When God speaks, we need to hear it. And once we hear it, we're going to, we're going to mix something with what we heard. When God speaks something to us in His Word, in, us, in our spirit, however it is that He speaks something to us, we are going to mix something with it. We either mix faith or we mix unbelief. If you wonder, what have I done? Have I mixed faith or have I mixed unbelief? It's real simple. Dude, did you do it? If you mixed faith with it, you obeyed. If you mixed disbelief and doubt with it, you didn't do it. We used the example before. How many of you knew about Microsoft when it first came out? How many of you knew about Google when it first came out? How many of you have said now, oh, I wished I would have bought into one of those companies. Oh, I would be doing so much better now if I would have. Well, why didn't you? You heard about it. Why didn't you? Because I didn't believe they were going to get as big as they did. If you firmly believed that Google or Microsoft or whatever other company, Apple would have gotten as big as they did when they first started, would you not have bought when they went public? Yeah. So the reason that we didn't was because I thought maybe it might happen, but I doubted. I didn't believe. Three reasons. We went into the next week, the rich young ruler. We saw the rich young ruler was doing pretty good. And Jesus said, one thing you lack. And he told him what it was and he went away sad because he didn't want to sell all that he had and give to the poor. That was one thing he lacked. Doesn't mean it's one thing you lack. Three reasons we remain a, we maintain a hard heart. We maintain a lot of things in our life. Three reasons we maintain a hard heart. First off, I believe I'm right. As long as you believe you're right and you're wrong, you will maintain a hard heart. You must release that. Number two, I want something. And I feel like if I obey what God said to do, I will lose what I want. I won't be able to pursue it. Number three, I resist a direction he's leading me. Three reasons you maintain a hard heart. I believe I'm right. I want something. I resist a direction. We went into the fourth week. We saw the woman who was caught in adultery. And the, the Pharisee said, brought her to him and said, Is it lawful? We used this for, we said back then, we know that we've already missed it if we say, is it lawful? You don't have to wonder. If you are c contemplating, is it lawful? You've already missed it. You're already off. We looked at some of the lawyer shows. And how many lawyer shows are out there? That, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if it's right. It just matters, will it work? Will I get my client off? Doesn't that get us aggravated? We want to see the, uh, the right things happen. But we get aggravated there. But is it lawful? There's an upward progression from the time we get born again. There's an upward progression we can go to. First off, when we first get born again, we start off with the things, is it right? Is this the right thing to do? 
because before we were doing whatever we wanted, but now we got born again, we got saved. Is it the right thing to do? But there's a progression you need to go to from there. The next one was, is it God's will? This might be right, but is this what God wants for me? Is it God's will? There's a progression above that. Not only is it God's will, but is it God's desire? I begin to pursue and to find out some things. All right, this might be God's will, but God, what is it that you really want? We used a lot of examples on this, David being one of them. David pursued after the desires of God, not just the will of God. How many times have we said, well, this is what I need to have to happen, but we want something more. I desire something more. The downward progression is, is it right? We start off there, but then we go to, is it permitted? This is the downward progression of a Christian. We start off, is it, is this the right thing to do in God's eyes? And we go, well, is this permitted? Can I get away with this? Is it legal? And finally, is it what I want? <laughs> we just forget, forget the whole thing. Is this what I want? And then we had just kind of spiraled downward. We saw this when we were kids. We knew what mom and dad said to do, but what did we find out? Well, you know, you didn't say I couldn't. It's a downward progression. We need, to pro- we need to progress upward. We're looking for loopholes. We're looking for reasons why we should not do what God states, wants, or desires. If we are doing that, it is an indicator of a hard heart. In week uh, five, last week, we saw that unrepentance and sin are part of a hard heart. In Romans chapter six, or chapter two, verse six, who will render to each one according to his deeds eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good, seek for glory, honor, and immortality. Sometimes we have sought after the things of God. We have done what God said to do and we did it for a week. We did it for a week and a half. But he says patient continuance. We use the example of God. When God is patient in bringing about his word, sometimes he takes three or four thousand years to bring it about. You say, I don't have three or four thousand years. (laughs) I understand that. Abraham took 25 years to get him to that spot. Patient continuance in doing good. Seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation, and anguish on every soul of man who does evil of the Jew first and also the Greek. But glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We saw some of the harvest that's being talked about here. If you want to know what it is that you have sown, look at your harvest. And right there he identified it. Don't have time to get into everything. Just wanted to give you a quick review of, of some of these parts. You can go back and, and check those out. In the, uh, they're up there on the internet. If you want to listen to them again, free of charge, just go on up there and get them and, and listen to them. Now, I wrote this down. This is not in your outline. I wrote this down as we were sitting here in worship. But our words identify, our words identify us like symptoms to a doctor. There is no benefit to covering them up if you want help. When you go to the doctor and a doctor comes out, what does the doctor ask you? What's wrong? He doesn't want to know what's right, does he? He wants to know what's wrong. What is it that you are, what has brought you here today? What is going wrong in your body? And it doesn't do you any good if you sit there and say, oh, nothing. That's not going to help you, is it? The doctor will look a little perplexed at you. So why are you here? I just want to pay a visit. I thought maybe you might know something. No, he's going to say, you know, what's, what's going on? What's, what's wrong? What's happening? When we speak things that are not right, God then directs correction our way. He's going to send us correction. Now, how many of y'all know, you know, we've, we sometimes have done this. It's about every series we've done this and we're going to do it with this one. As we've been going on through here, we've been kind of laying some of them out, but we're going to go through and summarize them. You know, I love those uh, comedians who come on out that have different, different catchphrases, different things, especially, uh, is it Jeff Foxworthy? You might be a redneck if Right? Different ones have different things and uh, they'll, they'll lay these things on out. Well, you know, if certain things occur in your life or certain things are, are you're frequent of, of saying you might be a redneck, you know, he's not trying to identify. Well, you might have a hard heart if there are certain things that come out of your mouth. And we've already identified some of them. And one of these days we're going to just summarize them all. 
and just give you a list. I've done that before in some of the other series just to help you out because you, you know, don't cover up your words. Don't say, well, I'm not going to say that anymore. <laughs> no, this is a symptom. If there's a problem, we want to hear that. How many have ever taken a car to a mechanic because it was making a noise and you got there and it stopped making the noise? <laughs> We've all done that, haven't we? They're like, make the noise! Come on! Because <laughs> that will help them, that will help identify the problem. You know, don't stop making the noise that identifies the problem. We sometimes have said some things and there are certain phrases that we use that show us that we're in unbelief. We talked about them in the last series. There are certain phrases that we use and when we use them, it says, I have a hard heart. The Pharisees use a lot of these phrases. But when God speaks correction, this is what we are looking at last week, when God begins to speak correction to you, because God's going to come around when you're getting off base, He's going to come in there and He's going to correct you. When God speaks correction, if you hear words as, of correction as condemnation, you might, probably do, have a hard heart. If you read the Bible and you see something that you're not doing right in the Word of God, and you get condemned, you probably have a hard heart. If another believer hears something that you're saying and identifies the problem and speaks words of correction and you don't receive it, you probably have a hard heart. We want to get, get past that. Because it is, it's our hard heart that holds us up. These are the things that are, that are getting in our way. We haven't even touched the surface of the people in the Word of God that we're going to look at that have hard hearts that we can learn from how they got out of it, how they got into it, what happened to them when they had it, the symptoms that were on their life. We're going to have some fun looking at that and we'll also see how long it takes to get fixed. Mark chapter 8. We're going to see here the key for Jesus. The key, Jesus was a stable person, wasn't he? He was a stable person. In Mark chapter 8, verse 31, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He is teaching them the Son of Man must suffer many things. What does it mean that when it says the Son of Man must suffer many things? It means he must suffer. He must suffer. It's mandatory that he suffer. Verse uh, 12 of chapter 9 in Mark. Then he answered and told them, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and restores all things. And how is it written, and how it is written, that the Son of Man, that he must suffer many things and be treated with contempt. Luke chapter 17, verse 25. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Chapter 22, verse 15. Then he said to them, With fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I... Suffer. Luke twenty four forty six. Then he said to them, This is thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Necessary. Acts chapter three, verse eighteen. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of his prophets that the Christ would suffer, he thus he has thus fulfilled. Acts 17, verse 2 and 3. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them with from the Scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again and saying, This Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. Now, how many of you can say that you have suffered? Anybody suffered? <laughs> Only a handful of people have suffered? Come on. We've suffered, haven't we? Haven't we gone through some hard times? Haven't we suffered in some areas? Hasn't been walking on this life gotten us to a point where we sometimes even despair and get tired and discouraged? Haven't people gotten on your nerves to the point that you want to become an isolationist? That you want to push everyone else away? No one else knows what they're doing? Haven't we suffered? If, it's, if just the suffering was all that was needed, how many of you right now would be at the head of the class? If all that was necessary was suffering, what did it say Jesus had to do? He had to suffer. If all we need to do is to suffer, <laughs> we've already done it. We've already done it. How many know there's something else missing? What's lacking in this? In Hebrews chapter 5, now we're going to get more into the Hebrews chapter 5 thing later on, but look at verse 8. 
and 9. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. It's not just the suffering. He learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Did Jesus ever disobey the Father? then how is it he needs to learn obedience? If Jesus never disobeyed the Father, if he never missed it, and I believe that he never never missed it, never disobeyed the Father, I believe that. If that is the case, how is it that the writer of Hebrews says he learned obedience by the things which he suffered? That's the question we're going to be working at here. How does what we suffer teach us? How is it supposed to teach us? What's it supposed to be doing? What type of obedience is learned? In 1 Peter 2, verse 19, For this is commendable, if because of conscience toward God one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. Now, we've all endured grief, haven't we? But not always has it for suffering wrongfully. <laughs> Sometimes we deserve the grief we got. <laughs> For what credit is it if you were, if, if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? If we missed it and we suffer because we missed it, we did something wrong and you take it patiently, what good is that he's saying? How is that going to do anything for you? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. How many times have we done good for people? done good toward others and have been abused for it. Anybody here been in that position? Yes. Been abused for it? Been taken advantage of? Been have people said nasty things because we did what was right, what was beneficial, what was helpful for other people? Right? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, how many of you can say that there have been times you have not taken it patiently? Have we ever said, how dare they do that to me? Don't they see what I did? Don't they see the good? Don't they see how I was helping? <laughs> We're not liking this. Anymore. But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God, which means I have a choice when I suffer for doing good of not taking it patiently. How many of you all know people who have done bad and have taken correction not patiently. Yeah, that kind of sticks out. It's like, what's wrong with you? You messed up. But when we have suffered for doing good, and we get abuse for it, and we take it patiently, he says this is commendable. For to this... <laughs> don't you like this verse? For to this you were called. How many don't like that calling? This is not a good... I don't like this calling. This is... Now, what do you mean? I'm supposed to do good to people? They're going to abuse me and I'm called to this? Yeah. That's what he's saying. And when you shrink back from it, when you pull back and become bitter, become angry, develop a hard heart towards those people, you are not fulfilling your calling. Well, amen anyway. For to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us leaving us as an example that you should follow in His footsteps. So Christ suffered for our sakes in the same way we're going to suffer for other people's sake to help them and bring them over. Because He said, this is what you were called to. What a glorious calling, right? All right, well, we had fun with that one. Let's go over to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13. And who is he who will harm you if, become, if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks for a reason, for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience, that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better, if it is the will of God, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. When Jesus suffered, it was for doing good. He suffered for doing 
Good. When you do good, stop blaming God when you suffer. He's not the one doing it to you. <laughs> but we blame Him. How many times have we gone in, in prayer? Me too. I'm not just blaming you, go. I've done it too. I've gone to God in prayer. Father God, don't you see? Don't you see what I've done? Don't you see the good that I'm trying to do? Don't you see? And, and look. And we get indignant. We get mad. And we shouldn't. We've, we've gotten the wrong frame of mind about it. We should go to God in prayer and say, Father God, thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, I saw the good to do and I did it. And I know they're beating up on me right now for that thing, but I, I look past that and I see the good that you want to do here. And I'm going to keep doing that because I'm doing this unto you. And just as Jesus did this for me, I'm going to do it for other people. I have him as an example. And we go on. And then your prayer time isn't, oh, woe is me. <laughs> and you come out of there charged up. First off, we're going to, if we're going to have him as, as an example, his suffering, it was for doing good. Our suffering should be for doing good. If I suffer for doing what is wrong, is there any credit? Is there anything good? Is there any help in that? No. But if I do what is good in the eyes of God and suffer because of it, then it's having a work in me. And we want to take a look at what kind of a work is this supposed to have in me. We'll get to that. Hebrews 11, verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. He chose rather to suffer. He had all that wealth. He could have just walked in the house of Egypt and been the prince and had all that money. But he says, no, I'm going to choose to suffer over here with the people of Israel, with the people of God. He chose it. Didn't Jesus choose suffering when he was in the garden? Did he say, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But if not, we'll, we'll do it. He chose it. Suffering is for doing good and suffering is chosen. I can choose it. I can also choose not to. How do you choose not to? I'm not going to do that anymore. I've suffered for doing good things. I'm not going to do good things anymore. I'm going to quit it. Why? Because I'm choosing not to suffer. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel for which I suffered trouble as an evildoer. Not that he was an evildoer, but he said as an evildoer I suffered trouble. For which I suffered trouble as an evildoer even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore I endured all things for the sake of the elect that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So Paul is looking at the example that Jesus did and he's following in that example. In the same way, I'm going to suffer for the church even if I have to wear chains, even if I have to be beaten. Don't care what they do. I'm going to suffer for them for the purpose that they get to where they need to be for the glory of God. He says, Therefore I endure all things... Because I want to. No. For the sake of the elect. You need to suffer. You need to choose to suffer for doing good because you look at the sake of the elect. For those who are born again or will become born again. Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is a faithful saying. If we died... With Him, we shall also live with Him. If we endure, we shall also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He will deny us. If we are faithless, He remains faithful. He cannot deny Himself. Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord, not to strive about words to no profit to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane Idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. And their message will spread like cancer. Hymenus and Philetus are of this sort who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. They overthrow the faith of some. They get them to steer off course. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this sealed. The Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, 
but also of wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. What he's We're just going to kind of summarize this here for you. What he's saying is this. When you get your eyes on the prize, the prize is that more people get born again, that more people get infected by the Word of God, and I will suffer whatever is necessary in order to have that happen for the glory of God. And there is no amount of suffering that will get me to deter off of this. He says you will be perfected and move from a vessel of clay, a vessel of wood, into a vessel of honor, a vessel of gold and silver. But it's up to you. It's not that God has called you to be a vessel of wood or clay or gold or silver. It's what I do. It's how I operate. It's what happens when the suffering comes upon me. In 2 Timothy 1, verse 5, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Louise and your mother Eunice, I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. When, I, when the suffering comes upon me for doing good and I stop, is it not because of fear of something? Is it not because I don't, want, I don't want that to come upon me? I don't like what people are saying about me. But don't. Have the power of God on the inside of you who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Satan always likes to get us to focus on our works. Well, you haven't done much for God. God can't use you. God calls you according to His purpose, not according to your works. Well, I haven't been all that strong of a Christian. I haven't been able to endure all that much. God calls you according to His purpose, not according to your works. Well, I don't know a whole lot about the Word. I'm not real good about following after His Spirit. There's other people that are better at that than me. God calls you according to His purpose, not according to your works. Follow after His purpose, your works will catch up. Follow after His purpose. What has God called us to do? Where do we leave off? Verse 9. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace. Oh, thank God for the grace. It's according to grace. I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. It's not because I'm so special. It's His grace. Which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. That's before you, isn't it? That's before you ever did anything. This has all been laid out. Whether you follow it or not is up to you. But it's all been laid out. But has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Hold fast. In other words, be steady. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. How many times have peoples, other people, how many times have their unfaithfulness, how many times have their fickleness, how many times of their betrayals, how many times of the things that they've done to let us down, how many times have they affected our performance? And what's God say about that? Man, when you quit looking at other people, quit looking at other people. Well, if you don't like that, I like it. I got to preach that to myself every once in a while. Because we can sometimes look at the faithfulness of other people or the lack of and begin to think, oh boy, oh man. Hold fast the pattern of sound words. Just because other people are unfaithful with the things of God, are not diligent with the things of God, doesn't mean that you should follow their pattern. Whose pattern are we to follow? Jesus Christ. When Jesus suffered betrayal, letting down by other people, all the things that he suffered? Did his words follow the people 
Or did his words follow the call of God? And that's the example we should follow. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. In other words, Paul said, I followed after what was in Christ Jesus. If you want, follow after what I'm doing. Because I'm showing you what he did. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, this you know that all those in Asia have turned away from me. How many? Paul. Says all those people, they all turned away from me. So, why doesn't Paul just write him a letter? You know what, guys? I'm giving up. I'm not doing this anymore because all those people in Asia, they turned away. If they can turn away, I'm going to turn away. I don't need to have this. I don't need to keep going after and getting beat for the gospel of God. Let them all head over to hell if they want to. I'm okay. I'm going to heaven. He doesn't do that. This you know, that all those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are Phygelius and Hermogenes. Too often, for believers, we do not follow Jesus' pattern and we instead find ourselves suffering. You have suffered sometimes not following the pattern of Jesus. And that is not the suffering that God speaks about. That is not the suffering that we are to do. We suffer for wrongdoing. That's not what we're supposed to... We're not supposed to... There's no benefit in suffering for doing wrong. If you blew it, you're going to suffer. And there's no benefit in that. You blew it. You're going to suffer. Bad things come in. You know, how many of y'all know it's, it's a good thing to fill up your tank with gas? But if you don't fill up your tank of gas and it eventually runs out at some out-of-the-way place and you suffer walking to the gas station, paying extra money to have somebody come out and fill up your tank with a little bit of gas so you can get on over suffer because you're late to where you need to be are you suffering for God no I'm suffering from my own stability stupidity I did something I shouldn't have done need to to maintain those things suffering for wrongdoing has no benefit sometimes we follow after that number two too often for believers we do not follow Jesus pattern instead find ourselves suffering for wrongdoing or Avoided whenever possible. Well, I might suffer if I say that. I might suffer if I make a stand for that. I don't know if I want to make a stand for that because I don't really feel like suffering for I don't feel like putting up with it. We avoid it whenever possible or we quitting as soon as it gets tough. As soon as it gets tough, oh man, we quit. Oh, that's it. How many have ever gotten onto an exercise program and got into it two days and it got tough? And what did you do? Quit. Quit. How many got into a diet? In the diet, you read about the diet. Diet sounded good. It sounded like I can probably do this. And you got into it for a day, two days, and then what happened? Why? Because I was suffering. I was hungry. I didn't like eating that stuff. I'm eating cardboard. I don't want to eat cardboard. I want to eat some other, some other kind of stuff. <laughs> we suffered. We didn't like the suffering, so we quit. I don't like that. There are things... The we, we, we think, oh, I want the reward of this. But in order to get the reward, there is some suffering. There's some things that you have to, to go through. Well, you know, when you're young families, you know, they're going to have a baby. How many of y'all know having a baby involves suffering? <laughs> and it's not just all on the women's part. The men have some suffering to do as well. Because women, you are not the easiest to get along with. For those nine months. There is some suffering. I'm not saying it equates to what you go through on that particular day. But, the, you know, there's suffering on both sides. We all, we want the end result, right? Oh, they had the baby running around doing all through, all, just raising them on up. But there's suffering that comes. And you have to endure the suffering in order to get the reward. And then after the baby comes, is there not still continued suffering? Oh, there's suffering as you raise those children. There's some good things too, but there are times of suffering. If you want something that's good that's down the road, there's going to be some suffering along the lines with the thing. Now, why did you go to school? You wanted the reward that would come if you went through and got the education 
You wanted that job, so you went through the education. Was there suffering involved in studying? Sure there was. There's pressure. There's tests. There's all those nights staying up. There's all the money that you put into it. There's suffering that's involved. But you do it because of the end result. Because of the reward that comes. You know, why do you show up at work? Is work always easy? Isn't work sometimes tough? Aren't there some other things you could do instead of going to work that are more fun? Why do you go? Because I want the end result. I want the paycheck at the end of the week. In order for me to get that, there is some suffering that comes along. So a lot of times we're suffering for wrongdoing. We're avoiding it whenever possible. We're quitting as soon as it gets tough. This is not helping you out. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. Do not think it strange when you set out in the, in the way of God and there are some suffering. Don't think it's strange. Don't sit, sit there and say, what in the world is going on here? What's up with... I didn't, I didn't expect this. There's suffering. This is not easy. No, it's not. Do not think it's strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing has happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings that when His glory is revealed, you may be glad with exceeding joy. When His glory is revealed. See, we keep our eyes on the prize. There's the end result. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. On their part He is blasphemed, but on your part He is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, or an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. For the time has come for judgment to begin in the house of God. And if it, begin, if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to Him in doing good as to a faithful creator. What types of suffering are beneficial? Here's the first one. In your testimony. There's going to be suffering when you maintain a testimony of being a Christian, of being a follower of God. There is suffering for it. People will abuse you. People will make fun of you. To the point that sometimes you may say, I may just try and cover this up. I'm just not going to let people know I'm a Christian. I'm going to keep this kind of quiet. Not let people know. Then when I slip up, they're not over there you know, telling me about it. Correcting me on the, on the thing. No, let people know. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of God. You watch my life. You see how it goes. Oh, but then they'll be watching me. And if I mess up, oh, they're going to be on me. So, this is one of the sufferings you're called to. To suffer for your testimony. Let people know. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of God. Your testimony, whether people know you're a Christian or not, you should always be there. You should do things because you're a Christian. The, the words that you use, the things that you say, your attitude, it should all be, be part of this. I ran into a guy on a, I had to go over to Sears trying to find a part for a, a piece that I had. And as I was coming out, there were two guys who were standing over there in the auto, auto place. And uh, one of them hollered over to me. Well, it ended up being one of the guys who plays basketball over at the YMCA. We've had a couple of interactions and a couple of exchanges of things. And, and so um, we, we got to talking and uh, he, we ended up talking for about 10 minutes or so about some things we uh, hadn't always talked about it over there. And so we got on the thing and he would find out, you know, I was over here, I was trying to get this tool fixed because of the bunk beds and stuff like that. And he says, oh, that, is that what you do? He didn't know what I, I did. He says, well, I'm a pastor and I also make the bunk beds. He says, you're a pastor? I said, yeah, I'm a pastor of a church. He says, is that why you never curse? <laughs> well, that wasn't the reason. But it's amazing what people will notice about you. He didn't suddenly come into that realization. He'd always wondered, why is it this guy doesn't cuss? 
Because, you know, they do something they're not wanting to do, something's not going right, they cuss about it. And I never did. Don't be afraid to let people know that you're a Christian. And just let your behavior come out of what's in your spirit. You'll be fine. Mess up? Just, well, I messed up. I can God, there's forgiveness. First thing, suffering in your testimony. Number two, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Now the Spirit expressly says that in a latter time some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. So he's saying, all that food out there, don't let anybody tell you you can't enjoy it. If you want to enjoy caviar, go have it. If you want a good pulled pork sandwich, go for it. If you don't want to, that's okay. But it's all good. For every creature of God is good. And nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourselves toward godliness, for bodily exercise profits a little. Brother Hagin used to always tell us, get the little of profits. <laughs> he said, don't just put it aside. He said, get the little that are profits, but understand there's more. But godliness is profitable for all things, having promise, promise of life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptance. For to this end we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. These things command and teach. Here's the area of second, second area of suffering that will come into the life of the believer. The first one is for your testimony. The second one, in your faith. Your faith will attract suffering. Because when the devil, when the enemy, sees faith in the life of a person, what's he trying to do? Want to snuff this out before it gets to be strong, before it becomes established. When a word comes, he wants to try and steal that word away before you believe it, before you mix faith with it. Verse 6, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. We need to, have, we need to take the faith of God and guard it and understand there's going to be suffering for the things that I make a stand for in faith. How many of you have ever made a stand for something in faith? Healing, finances, something along those lines. And as soon as you do, there's suffering. We learn from the Word of God, well, Jesus is my healer. I got hands laid on me. I believe that Jesus healed me of the thing. And you go over to the doctor and the doctor says, oh, it's worse. And what do we do? Oh, I thought that faith stuff worked. It's just not working at all. It's worse than it was before. See, that you suffered a little bit and what happened? The devil knows all I got to do is get you to suffer a little bit. And you'll, you'll quit it. You'll stop it right away. Start believing God for your finances. Start tithing, doing what God says to do, and an extra bill came in. And you weren't expecting that extra. Oh, I thought this was not supposed to happen. I mean, I tithed last week. If you don't think that faith won't attract the attention of the enemy, think again. But it gets the attention of God. <laughs> That's even better. That's even better. Just hang on to it. Understand there's going to be some suffering. Hebrews chapter 5. Verse 5. So also Christ did not glorify Himself to become high priest, but it was He who said to Him, You are my Son, today I have begotten you. And He also says in another place, You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of His flesh, when He had offered up prayers and supplication with vehement cries and tears to Him who was able to save from death and was heard because of His godly fear, though He was a Son, yet He learned obedience by the things which He had suffered, and having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obeyed. Called by God as high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain. Since you have become dull of hearing. In other words, it's another way of phrasing 
hard of heart, or stubborn. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. When you drink milk, how long do you have to chew it? <laughs> you don't chew it at all, do you? That's why you give it to babies, because you, you take it in, you swallow it. Take it in, you swallow it. But when you got a piece of meat, what do you got to do? That's why you don't give meat to babies, because they'll choke on it. Meat has to be chewed on. You chew on it. You chew on it. I'm going to chew on this for a little while. Get, to, get all we need out of this thing. For everyone who partakes of only milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Here's the third area. First area in your testimony. Second area in your faith. Third area in your obedience. In your obedience. We said here that Jesus was to learn obedience. Now, here's what the whole idea is. Tying it all up. We're going to spend a lot more time on this. We're just giving the overview here and spend more time on a lot of these sections that we just kind of went over. But I want you to see the over, overall picture here so that you understand. In your faith, in your testimony, and in your obedience to the things of God, there will come suffering in which you must learn to endure. When it says that Jesus learned obedience, it didn't mean he was ever disobedient. It meant no matter how much you turned up the heat, he continued to obey. It was a learning process. We, we, there's, there's a learning process that we go through. But sometimes we bail out. Jesus didn't bail out in the process. He stayed with it to the point when he got to the cross and he faced that opportunity to disobey. Uh-uh, I've learned how to do this. I know how to take this human earthly body and bring this to a place of obedience. And we can do the same thing. But too often we're caving in. Too often we're not doing that. We're doing what we want. And we're having a hard heart. We're being stubborn to the things of God. And God's not able to, to move us and to help us. Here's, a, here's an indicator if you have a hard heart. How many times have you ever heard a lesson, a preacher teaching something, and your mind goes to who's missing it? You might have a hard heart. Not always, but you might have a hard heart. You know why? You hear the Word of God, who should you correct first? Yourself. Word of God, Jesus taught us. And when correction was applied, there's a lot of times we're out there, we're trying to correct other people. We're trying to take the speck out of their eye. We're missing the log in our own. He said, first take off the log out of your own eye and then you'll see clearer so that you can take out the speck in someone else's. He didn't say you can't take out the speck. He said, you need to be able to hear it first for where you're missing it. Because too often Christians approach this area as in, I'm right you're wrong and you better get right. And that's a wrong attitude. When Jesus was faced, we already looked at the example, when Jesus faced with the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery, does he sit there and say, man, I never got into an adultery. What, what are you doing? doesn't do that. He, what's he say to her? Where are those who condemn you? Where are your accusers? They, they're gone. He says, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. It's a different attitude. Hard-hearted people can hear the Word of God for other people, but not for themselves. And if you're hard-hearted to that, then you can't get corrected. And you can't be adjusted on your own journey. And you'll get off course. And you won't recognize you're off course. But you can see that everybody else is. The whole idea of suffering is that we understand that first off, suffering doesn't come from God. Suffering comes from the enemy for the purpose of squashing your behavior born of faith. He wants to get rid of that. So he's going to send some suffering your way. But I say, uh-uh, I'm ready for you now. I know you're coming and I'm ready for you. Bring it on. Let's go. You need to be ready. The enemy is going to come. He's going to try and inflict you with suffering to get you to quit doing what God said to do. What God wants you to do. But don't do it. If you decided you're going to become a tither, 
and tithe and do what God said in there, you're going to encounter some suffering in that area. Be ready for it. Just know it's coming. You know what? I've already decided this is what I'm going to do. If you've made a commitment in the area of healing for something that's going on in your body, I'm going to believe God. This is going to change. Believe God. Just understand. doesn't mean that your symptoms are all going to go away. doesn't mean that the pain level is going to drop down. It means it may even increase. But if it does, I'm ready. I understand what you're trying to do to me, enemy. And I'm ready for it. We're going to win. We're going to knock you out. Because I trust that what God says is true. Well, that's my problem. I don't trust Him. No, you trust Him by obeying. That's all. Just obey. Father God, I don't quite understand all the things of how this is supposed to work or what's supposed to go on here, but I'm going to obey. So here's a question for you. How much endurance do you have? How much can you endure? You know what? Learn some more. Will suffering give you more? Yes, if you suffer for doing good. If you suffer for the right thing. But just suffering doesn't produce endurance. It's the right kind of suffering. And the Word of God helps us to identify this. We'll spend a few more weeks on this. Because it's so important that we understand what suffering is to do. If you misunderstand suffering, then suffering will give you a hard heart. If you rightly understand suffering and what it is to do, then suffering will make you steady in the things of God. You see, suffering can make you either stubborn or steady. It can have both effects on you. Make sure it has the right effect. Understand, you're going to suffer some things for the things of God. You're going to suffer some things for your testimony. You're going to suffer some things for your faith. You're going to suffer some things in the area of obedience. It's not always going to be easy to obey God. It will always be beneficial. Heard the example before. It costs to advertise, doesn't it? Today is the Super Bowl. And you know it costs to advertise on the Super Bowl. It costs a lot of money, doesn't it? It costs so much money to advertise on that particular event that they spend extra money on the commercials so the commercials tend to be better than they are other times. So people sometimes just watch it for the commercials. Why do people spend so much money? Because I'll tell you, it doesn't cost to advertise. It pays. <laughs> it pays to advertise. Well, what's that mean? Sorry, surely it costs you something to advertise. Yeah, but it paid you greater dividends because of the advertising. More money came in than went out on the advertising. It doesn't cost. It pays. Well, it doesn't cost to obey God. It pays. Sure, there's an initial outlay. It's going to cost you something to obey God. But in the end, it pays. There's great benefit from it. When you learn what suffering will do, then the more you have endured suffering in the correct way, then more can come at you than ever before. Have you ever known anybody who has been through a hurricane? If you ever been, have known somebody or have been through a hurricane yourself, been through an actual hurricane, and then you go through one of these thunderstorms where the wind's kicking up, you know, 30, 40 miles an hour, and for some people it has them rattled, but for you, what's it do? Or for the people who have been through a hurricane, 100 miles an hour winds, 120 mile an hour winds and you get out there and a little 30 mile an hour wind you say this isn't wind <laughs> this is nothing but for someone that's the greatest that they've ever seen that's a storm God says I'm going to get you so used to wind no matter what storm comes upon you you'll stand because the wind will not knock you off your foundation the enemy means the suffering to destroy you. But he says, I get to turn it around and have it establish you. If you listen to me, if you trust me, suffering is not bad. When you suffer for doing what is good, you suffer the way that God lays it out. Understand, there is some suffering in the life of the Christian. Whatever you decide to do for God, you're going to suffer for some, some things for it. But make sure that you don't get off on the wrong thing. You're going to be out there helping some people and some people are going to let you down and you'll suffer something for it. Don't let words come out of your mouth 
and rip them apart. Why? Because God didn't do that for us. Don't do it. Stay true to it. Keep going. Because the, the more that you can take that temperature increasing, the, the better it is. Oh, the better it is. You've got to get used to the, the heat. How many of y'all, some of you ladies, you are used to cooking in a hot kitchen. And you can get used to some heat there. And, and the heat won't bother you. The word, the word used to go around, you know, if you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. Yeah, you've got to get in there. You've got to get used to it. You've got to get used to the heat being turned up sometimes. I told you the story before when I would race. You know, we'd race sometimes in, the, in hot weather. And so what I would do is I would train at the hottest part of the day for the purpose of being ready. Get all those people who only run during the cool part of the days. They aren't ready for the heat. I can run when it's 100. I can run when it's 110 and have. When I was down in Oklahoma, I scheduled my runs at like 1 o'clock in the afternoon when the sun was highest in the sky and the temperature was the hottest it was going to be all day. I've run at 110. I've run even hotter. Because I'm getting used to what's coming up. Get prepared. It's a whole lot better to practice in the heat than to suddenly be in the race. It's a whole lot better to be standing in faith on things that don't matter, that aren't life and death, so that when they are life and death, you are ready. It's a whole lot better. And God says, I need to steer you in this area now. You need to get ready in this area. You need to start enduring some suffering from the enemy to get ready in this area now. Because what's coming up, if you don't, it'll throw you. It'll knock you off your foundation. I don't want that to happen. So, get ready. Get prepared. You can, you can do this. You can get through what the enemy is throwing at you. Hang on to it. Keep going through. Don't, don't veer off of this thing. Don't bail out of the storm. This storm's not going to kill you. This storm's not going to take you down. But there's some other storms that are down the road. And if you don't get ready for them, they will take you out. I want to get you ready. I'm not sending you the storms. Some my idea that you go through the storm, but I know the storm's coming your way. I want to get you ready. God wants to get us ready. But you've got to listen. You've got to yield. You've got to have a heart that is not stubborn in the things you're doing because I think I'm right, but a heart that says, you know what, God? If you say I need to do this, I'll do it. I'll get ready. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we give you the glory and the praise. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus. Father, sometimes we have been stubborn on the things that have gone on in our life. We feel that some things have happened that are unjust. We feel that some things have happened that are not right. Oh, Lord Jesus. Right now. Right now. Oh, the Lord is telling us there are some people here today and you think that some things have gone on in your life that were not right and that were unjust and you are holding some animosity toward God that that thing came into your life. That that thing was allowed to happen. That attitude is keeping giving you a hard heart and not allowing God to adjust your life and make the appropriate changes so that you'd be ready. You need to let go of that attitude. You need to let go of being right and understand how you see it may not be the way it went down. You need to accept the re- correction from the Word of God and just listen. Father God, I obviously messed up. I missed it on this one. I've been holding this this thing against you and it's not right. Something went on there. It don't take long to get right with God. You can get right right away. But you got to get right. Don't feel like God's trying to keep something from you. Don't feel like God is jipping you on things. That's not what God wants to do. Don't feel that God hasn't seen the suffering that you have gone through. But sometimes the suffering that we are proud of is not the suffering that God intended. It's not the suffering that has purpose. It's not the suffering that goes because we held on to God's call. We held on to what we wanted. Don't do it. Let go of those things. Let God speak into your life. Let God do that correction. Make those adjustments. Get you back into the right place. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us. 
We will hear the things that you have to say. We will listen to what you want to do. Glory to God. Glory to God. If you're here today with every head bowed, just keep your head bowed. If you're here today and you say, that speaking to me, I've got some animosity toward God. I think I went through something I shouldn't have gone through or it shouldn't have been kept away. And I'm, I'm kind of mad at God. Raise your hand. I've been harboring something against God because I didn't think I needed to go through that. I didn't think that was... I should have been healed. I should have not had that pain. I should have not had that situation. I should have not had that betrayal. you got something going on in there and you're kind of keeping that as a thing and you're holding it against God. Let God... Raise your up your hand right now. That was me. Yep, I'm harboring those things. Yeah, let it go. It don't, like I said, it don't take long to get right with God. You can get right with God right away. Just, just lay it on out there. Father God, I, I repent of that. I'm wrong. Now show me how to get back on the right track. Show me how to get in the right place. Father, you saw the hands of those that were raised there. I thank you that you hear their repentance. You hear their change of direction. And you speak into their life the things that will help them. Things that will bring them in the right, right place. Glory be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If that's you and then you repented of something, straighten something out in your life, God is going to be speaking today, tomorrow. He is going to be speaking some things in your life about correcting, about altering. Listen to Him. It's going to be good. It's going to take you in the right direction. Hallelujah. Today is our communion Sunday.